Hello and welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. This week's guest is Stephen Rowan. Um, Stephen is a fellow podcaster and, I mean, in the podcast we speak about sort of Stephen's career and the jobs and sounds like he's done just about everything from acting to importing cars and interviewing people and I mean, he came to my awareness just through Twitter and I'll be honest, I had no idea that he had such an amazing podcast. I went back and listened to so many of the episodes and we talk about some of the guests. And we just had a really nice conversation. I think this is a bit of a light relief. Um, the la- last week we did Community Week where we put out three podcasts. Um, we spoke to Aaron Conley, which was an amazing conversation about mental health and we spoke about activism. But this podcast is just more of a general sort of chit-chat with a fellow podcaster um, about sort of a multitude of issues and I really enjoyed it. Just want to say thank you to everybody that contributed to Community Week, the response that we got from social media and the guests was incredible. Um, Again, I'd like to highlight Aaron. um, was such an uplifting conversation talking about recovery and how to move forward with your life after going through like huge life-changing events. But other than that, um, we'll just get into the episode. So here's Stephen. So and welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. Uh, this week's guest is Stephen Rowan. How's it going, Stephen? Did I say your name right? Uh, everyone says Rowan. Is it Rowan? I think it's because I really like to swear in this. Yeah. I think it's because that fucker Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> so every, everyone has the idea that it's Rowan because of him, but right. uh, yeah, it's actually Rowan. But yeah, anything that's not whole prick, I'll quite happily answer to. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so you're a, a fellow podcaster. We have... Had a few, so we'll get a bit of a podcasters' union going, aren't we? Well, we are. Yeah. Although I think it's in tatters after the guys who drunk therapy tried to start beef with us last night on Twitter. <laughs> right. What was the beef over? That we all got on too well. I mean, it's just National about Podcasters time. Day. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yesterday, and yeah. yesterday, and one of them. Uh, how did, what's his name? Shane. Shane. Ah, he's got just a weird name. He's a uh, Kiwi. He's got a weird. Shit, I wanted to say that Australian guy just upset him. Is that the Australian guy? <laughs> he's Kiwi. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, Australian. I, the Aussie guy, um, he decided that it was all that too cosy. I know. <laughs> that will cause beef. Um, it was too cosy and he wanted to start beef. So he tagged like four or five podcasts and we were just like, fuck it, we'll take it. <laughs> oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Although Mark Dallas was uh, tagged in it and I thought, Mark will have the best backup. Yes. Because it's like a wrestling company. Yeah, basically just turn around at house actually mob handed with 16 guys in underpants. <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> like, no, oiled up. <laughs> I, I oiled up, they mean business. No, thanks. But Matt outed me because um, I do jujitsu and Muay Thai and he was like basically Paul Wynn. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Where are you training? Um, I train at Connection uh-huh. in Govan um, and I train Muay Thai with a guy called Mike Krause. Who, um, He's done Krause World. Yes, yeah. he used to do Krauss World in Cambridge Street, but yeah. now he's in the Pentagon building, um, 
and he is like so qualified. As in, it's, I mean, like, it's outrageous. Like, yeah, he spent like was that the actual Pentagon? No, no, no. He's not like he's not like teaching not people in the CIA hand to hand combat. Um, but uh, he's <coughs> he spent like ten years in LA training with Dan and Osanto, and so he's like a JKD master, a master, Aye, legend. The guy's super brilliant. duper double black he's, belt. Yeah, that's it. I mean, he's got so many certificates. But one, I took one of my mates, or a mate's mate, along because he was wanting to do kickboxing. And he did a couple of lessons with him. And he was like, Mike would kick fuck at you, wouldn't he? And I was like, <laughs> he's really would. And the guy's in his 60s. He's so quick, so fit. It's, <laughs> but he's very, uh, very calm as well. Oh, yeah. He's such a nice guy. It's it's not even like calmness. It's like, um, like zen. Yeah, it's like, like he's just a nice piece. guy. Uh, he's just a really nice guy. Um, but I love going to his school because it's. I, I've I tried a couple of places and especially places like the Grip House, although it's like a fantastic gym. I just felt for somebody that I hadn't done martial arts since I was about fifteen and I was like thirty five. It was a wee bit too like you, you like intense and they're trying to train fighters and yeah. I was wanting to go basically to like sort of help my mental health and just get a bit of exercise and add like another sort of fitness string to my bow and I felt like the guys were taking it really seriously although now I'm like two years in I take the jiu-jitsu really seriously and, and I do take the Muay Thai really seriously as well but just for going for the first time I just felt like it was more of a sort of family atmosphere that yeah. makes Scott in his gym preferred preferred that to actually going and people screaming yeah <laughs> I, I, I used to train at the grip house and I had the two of my ribs broken there by now right. professional oh. UFC fighters so I don't feel bad about it but yeah I know what you mean like a certain classes you go into Thursday morning was like purely for professional fighters, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you would. I mean, I would be like sitting outside in the car, just thinking, like, fuck, like seriously, like I don't want to go in, and I'm just like that. <laughs> what part of my gym gear? Hopefully, have I forgotten? And then you're like, no, I've got it all. And then you would like go up the stairs, and only found out recently, like in the last, I think, the last six months, that you know, I wasn't the only one that felt that way, but mm. yeah, you're, you're right. Mm -hmm. You just, can imagine, I don't think I would be in any mad rush to like go anywhere where somebody was waiting to punch me in the face. It's well, You get used to it. <laughs> you do, you get used to it, and I think it's a part of, I think conflict, whether it be verbal, or whether it be physical, I think it's a, like a part of life. I certainly mm, think growing, growing up in Glasgow, and what I found, if you go into a situation and you realise that you have these tools at your disposal, you don't always have to use them, but no, I think absolutely. you feel a little bit more confident. Yeah. And it's not like sitting, you know, the back of the pub, like 16 pints and going, I could kill any fucker in here. <laughs> but I think it's just that point when shit gets out of hand, as opposed to reacting to it, you can like take a few mm. step back and just go, you know, let's all just chill here. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the reasons why I got into it was I was on a Christmas night out and there was just two guys. I mean, they, they could have been anything between sort of 17 and 25. I don't know what age they were, but they basically like cornered me and I was thinking, I've got two choices here. I either just back down and just talk my way out of this situation or else I'm going to just explode. Fuck. And I could feel the blood coming behind. I've got this thing that it's only ever happened like three or four times in my full life, but I just feel like this heat happened behind my eyes and then I just black out. And then usually I come to and I've like beat the shit out someday and I don't really remember what I've done so I just decided for there I'm going to go and I'm going to find exactly what you're saying I want to get the tools so that I don't have this just eruption of like adrenaline and mm. like panic that happens yeah. if I'm ever in this situation I know if it gets out of hand I can handle it and that was really why I started like looking into it and obviously like podcasting and Joe Rogan was like oh cool 
I'll get into and I get into the UFC at the same time as well. So it's like an, an inspiration type thing. I've got to say, in terms of when you went back to it, it's definitely like being a precursor to like you being a lot camera. As much as we were joking about, you know, being basically a ninja on Twitter, like you're also probably like the least likely person I would imagine be like involved in violence Aye, at the same time. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. I think that. I I just find violence just you just shouldn't engage in it. Like, yeah. It should be a last resort. But I think that a lot of times people engage in it through fear, uh-huh. and it's fear of the other person. I mean, you don't mm. know what's going to happen if there's two of them and there's just you, and they get they get in first. It's that sort of fear of like what what's going to happen here. You hear about people one punch and they're dead, and so it's that kind of fear response that I was trying to get rid of and just give myself the tools so that I just knew. Like, and I think that absolutely, like it's gave me. Um, I, I find I find them really meditative. Is that, is that the right pronoun? So, like, I think that doing it is similar to meditation, where you need to be fully present, and that just means that I get an extra meditation session in. Yeah. Whenever I go to a class, that's the way that I look at it. So, you're right about the one punch thing. I mean, like, I've I've had the the pleasure of the learning experience of you know being knocked out. Or you know, being knocked over and like landing with my head either on a jiu-jitsu mat, which gives a fair amount of cushioning, or on a boxing canvas, which is a lot less. Mm-hmm. And it's like you know your head's ringing and you you just feel this pulsing. But I mean, fucking hell, there's not a lot I give outside in a curbstone or a pavement. Do you no. know what I mean? An idea of like you know somebody having a fight. It's just like you know somebody says to me, "Oh, do you want to go and have a fight?" And they ring. I'm just like, okay, well. There's a lot of variables that can be controlled here. Mm-hmm. You know, wearing mm-hmm. wraps, no one's going home with like you know wonky wrists or yeah. cracked knuckles. I mean, maybe you've got headgear on, maybe you've not. Maybe you've got twenty X gloves, maybe you've mm-hmm. not. But like you know, no one's coming smashing the back of the head with a scaffolding pole. Yeah, that's it. I no kicking you if you're lying down. Still out. You in know, a or, safe environment mm-hmm. to an extent. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think that things like the UFC, as much as that, I love watching the UFC, but there seems to be this sort of like knockout obsession happening especially on the twitter and instagram and facebook and i think that it stems for i mean they, they get paid more money <laughs> if they knock somebody yeah. out in the ufc it's literally it's an really? incentive yeah they get they get like uh, oh, they they get 50k yeah like if they do like say like you know they run onto the cage and then they jump off a spinning back kick it's like you know that is the fight of the night or right, that is the yeah. knockout of the night and okay. then that's when they're generally like straddling rings, shouting like, you know, 50. Uh, they get yeah, an extra right, 50k. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty casual viewers, we've covered before. I would probably explain the Brazilian fella the other week who yeah, was like doing cartwheels and stuff uh, exactly. and then get. I mean, for these guys, it's literally like the difference between make money and no make money because right. a lot of these guys, I mean, we spoke to Chris Bungard. It's a weird way to incentivize it when you look at like recent like steps forward in like NFL and like concussion and even in like football in the UK. like to then incentivise somebody to like go and knock somebody it seems a bit like counterproductive in those terms. Mm-hmm. I think it's a 50-50. I mean, I think if you're getting blunt force trauma again and again and again and again and again, like the NFL mm-hmm. boys, and think how, how, how padded they are. I mean, it's mental. Somebody run 120 kilos, another person run 120 kilos, maybe seven miles per hour, mm-hmm. force of that impact. But the thing is, that's happening again and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if, you know, we were fighting and we get knocked out, like, game over like well done thanks yeah. for coming here's your here's your prize whatever but it's not the case of apart from i think it's cambodian boxing right where it's a five round fight you're allowed to do pretty much i think everything apart from eat your contestant <laughs> <laughs> no joke no joke i think it's i think it's cambodian boxing i'm gonna get a fit i'm gonna get some abuse for this <laughs> right okay we'll say it's cambodian boxing but 
no, sorry, it's Burmese boxing, sorry, it's Burmese right, boxing. Okay. You're allowed to do everything apart from eat your opponent. You can, like, fucking boot them in the balls, headbutt them or whatever. But, say you knock me out, I'm allowed three minutes to be woken up and come to. And then, <laughs> I, can, and then I can knock you out, and this can happen three times. So in the stage of that fight, we can have six knockouts, and I think it's, like, kind of last man standing. But that <laughs> is, like, the massive, like... That's Difference, a massive exception, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Supposing football, the 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 soft brain tissues repeatedly hit yeah. the ball. Yeah. So it's Aye. a slightly di- so I think it might be the repetition, the repetition in American football. They'll literally like have guys that are just weak and sitting down and like bringing them back, right? Yeah. Back out. Yeah. Like, you need to get like back that out. thing of like you know you know say you and I both going up for a ball or whatever mm. to catch a head, and it's like how many times have you seen people just like totally like clash skulls, yeah. and it's like temple to like forehead or whatever mm. or temple to temple it's horrible and then with the with, you know with the force of the ball and mm. I think that's yeah I think, I think it's dangerous but I think it's good for kids at the same time as well because they're going out and I think well for me I think jiu-jitsu teaches you a lot of humility mm. oh absolutely you, <laughs> you, you get embarrassed every day when yeah, you go because you can't <laughs> go up in blunt force trauma it's not just like fuck you it's like a case of you know you've got to go in you've got to think about it sometimes you're in a problem sometimes you've got to get further into it get out of it mm-hmm. and then other times it's like you're in that problem then you're just like ah, yeah mm-hmm. and then you can oh, sorry it's going to fuck the audio That's no, right. Right. and then like you know what I mean then at that point you need to go okay well I didn't get that but no one's like lying there with like cracked knuckles or a burst nose or like an mm-hmm. eye socket mm-hmm. although the thing that's terrifying for me is like you know I'm 125 kilos like I'm a bit of a big fucker so if I'm in a pub and like there's a say there's a disagreement between you know a husband and his wife or whatever, I can stand up and say, "Mate, do you want to chill the fuck out? Like that's not on," mm. and that will garner a certain amount of tension. But you can get a guy that weighs like seventy five kilos that could eat me for breakfast. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> like with his eyes shut, without yeah. raising a pulse. Right. And I think for me that not that I'm a bully, I've, I've never been, but I remember like being in the gym one day and seeing this guy walked into the gym and I didn't think anything of him. And I trained with him and I didn't think that much of him. And then I seen him in his first like MMA match and me and about 400 other people in the audience were just like, because <gasps> this guy just went in and he totally devastated his opponent. He got right. hit with a flying knee to the face. He got opened above there. Wow. He was almost unconscious. Like in the first, he fought through the first, the second, the third, and then he won submission in the fourth. Fucking and, hell. Yeah, and me and my mates and like everyone else, like when the fight finished, like it was a standing evasion. And it was mm-hmm. like everyone was Aye. just like, no way, man. That's Aye, like, like, and like I, I, Yeah, I mean, I think that was like maybe but, 10 years ago, and I've never seen a fight as good as that since then. It was. Right. It was astounding. Mm-hmm. Absolutely astounding. The, I completely, what you're saying about jujitsu, I've had like 15, 16 year olds completely just milk me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, what I'm, happened there? I'm 20 I'm twenty kilos heavier than this wee guy, and I, I'm on top of him, and it's just the next thing you're just like, <laughs> like I'm done. Like, and there's the, it's, 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 so it's, it's very humbling. Um, and I, I I love it though. Like I, I love doing it. The only thing is, is that I ruptured my shoulder about eight months in, and so that sort of hampered it a wee bit because I've got a wee bit of flexibility issue now on this side. And, and then you're carrying something, and then you're not. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I need to watch what I'm doing. It's bad for like small injuries like that. I get I get like bad neck, trap injuries, and just tiny wee injuries. But I would rather that than like you're saying a broken nose, broken jaw. Yeah, totally. I mean. 
I didn't exercise and get the injuries, so maybe you want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, no, it's a trade off. Yeah, no, it's true. I've got a mate, and it's like, you know, he's never injured, and all he does is play golf. Aye. And it's he, the way forward. And I was just like, you know, no I, would, golf, I, would, I would fuck you up. And he's like, no, I've got a seven iron, even. It's a fair point. Aye. It's a fair, fair point. But So, like, the, the Stephen Rowan show, say your name right up. 58 episodes in. Yeah. How long have you been doing it for? Uh, funnily enough, I think episode 7 was three years ago in Compton recorded it. So it's probably about like three and a half. Right, okay. Wow. So you'd have been like pretty much one of the early adopters then? Yeah. Uh, for Glaswegian podcasters anyway, uh, for sure. Yeah, I remember like searching for it when it first started and I don't think there was anyone... <coughs> pardon me, I don't think there was anyone else that was doing it. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... I think up until the last 12 months, all I ever found was, like, football podcast. There was, like, an abundance of football podcasts, but in very little elsewhere. And then I think in the last year, even in the time that we've been doing it, it's just, you know what I mean? It's like every other day of the week, there's a new one popping up, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Who was your inspiration? Uh, other than Rogan, because everybody that we have um, in is just like, the Joe Rogan show, which is the best podcast yeah. on the planet, absolutely. I mean, the guy's just... You know, the guy is tremendous, although... I think some of his interviews are better than others, and I think some of his guests are better than others. Oh, absolutely. Aye, I mean, I watched one with... I'm trying to think of the one that... It was uh, Wiz Khalifa, uh -huh. and it was fucking terrible. But you could tell that he was trying to drag the conversation out of this guy. Like It was almost like... The ge it seemed like the generations like smashed together. He didn't. They didn't really have a common ground other than weed. Other yeah, than bud, yeah. I, that was the only common uh -huh. ground. And they try and get two hours out of talking about weed. It's got, no, you, you need to. You need to get that that wee bit deeper. I'm. I'll, I'll be honest. Like I. I don't really approve of a lot of his guests, especially when he's getting guys like. Um. I mean, the criticism of him is probably just when he gets like guys for the alt right in, and you're just like, why are you giving this guy a fucking platform? Yeah. That, that dude that was getting claimed that he got knocked out by Antifa in Charlottesville, and it turned out that him and his mates were goading them, and you're just like, why are yeah. you giving him mm. the fucking platform? Yeah. Like, just the guy was on going on about how that he had a brain hemorrhage for getting punched in the face, yeah. and you're just like, fuck off. Like, and there's a, a lot of that. So, I, although I really enjoyed Alex Jones. Not yours because the yeah, guy's fucking mental. Well, well, it's just cabaret. Like I love watching the ones with like uh, Brian Callan because you know that's pretty much like mm. two stand-up comedians, two business guys, yep. like you know two guys talking about fitness, which are possibly like, my three favourite things. But the first one that I ever listened to was a uh, one with a guy called Magnus Walker, okay, uh, and another guy called Alex Ross, and they're basically talking about Porsches because I used to have a business transporting and storing uh, classic cars, right, cars, right. sports cars. So I'd actually been in LA and I went to visit Magnus. He's got a cracking documentary called Urban Outlaw. And regardless of whether you like Porsches or you like cars, it's well worth a watch. Okay. So I'd watched that. I'd went to go and meet him in LA and we'd hung out for half a day and he's just like one of the coolest guys I've ever met. Like just really, really interesting guy. Nice. And uh, when I came home, like I'd searched like, you know, has he done any other documentaries? And then I realised it was on this thing called the Joe Rogan Show, which I had never heard of. And I think it's like maybe one one three four, maybe one one five six or something okay. like that. Right. Quite, quite deep, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd never never heard of it before. Mm. And then ended up watching that, and it was just that. Like, oh well, he's talking about you know one of the guys that I like and one of the guys that I've connected, and yep. I end up meeting Alex Ross a second time. And then I think from then it was on to Tim Ferriss, and uh, yeah, I just found it to be like a really nice voice in your head. Mm -hmm. 
you know, if you're if you're like either in the gym and you're doing like I mm. quite often do like really long workouts or I love going road trips. If you're in a road trip, like you know, the yeah. will only cut it for a certain period of time, or like your favorite album only cut it for a certain period of time. Plus the fact I thought the thing about podcasts is you're talking about something for like a really long length of time, mm-hmm. so yeah. you can extrapolate or you can like go away and then you can come back. Yeah, I, I found it just to be like a really fun fun medium. And mm-hmm. then I remember one of my pals came back from LA and he'd been interviewed by this guy and then it was again another one of my really good friends being interviewed by this guy and he was like asking about stuff which some of I knew, some of it I didn't know, some of it was time dated, some of it wasn't and then uh, when he came back he was just like that oh you should do one of these because you fucking like talking (laughs) Uh, and I was actually missing, uh, I used to work as a hairdresser as well so I was like really missing that thing of meeting people, Mm -hmm. sitting down having a conversation and you know, it was generally about 45 minutes to an hour and a half you would yeah. have someone in. And I just really, I loved that thing where somebody would walk into the salon. It's like you, you, there was a name, there was characters in a, a notebook, but you never knew who the person was going to come in. And there's yeah. like, you know, that journey of discovery and what do they do and what are they into? Or like, are they going to educate you? You've gonna... missed a trick by not having a podcast where you cut people's hair for 45 oh, minutes to an hour and a half. That, that'd be good, actually. That'd, that'd be quite good fun. I mean, there's so, aye, there's so many different podcasts. I think when I was looking through your stuff, I quite like that you're a general podcast. I think mm-hmm. that we, when we started, that's what we kind of thought, we'll, we'll just be a general podcast. And even though we, we talk predominantly about mental health and like men's mental health. Yes. Fucking more people should be doing that shit. Why we, why we feel the way that we feel, because I think that, it, but I think we've kind of just got to the, the bottom of our own sort of ideas on it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like that you're just a general one because a lot of them, it feels to me, and it's no—it's not really a criticism. I think it's just a truth that it's people trying to have a niche and trying to then sort of push their own media yeah. personality. Like guys like James English, for instance, uh-huh. he's absolutely just trying to promote himself rather than just have conversations. And I quite like that you're saying that you just wanted to connect with people because I think that's what makes Joe Rogan's podcast so popular. Is, yeah. is that he's not really trying to push. Yeah, anything. He's like, I'm interested in this this diet, so I'm going to get my a dietitian yeah. to speak to me, and I'm genuinely interested. And I think that comes across when somebody's genuinely interested Definitely. and passionate. People are like, I'm into that. Yeah. So, but then when people are just getting people in, then again, it's not criticism, just to either use the platform to promote them or just to go. This will be a good. I'll get a thousand views because this guy's get his own platform. Yeah. It kind of takes the shine off it for me. And it's that sort of. You can almost hear the question answer, and it's like that. That's I think that's where you know the thing from like, I Rogan that because I mean up until he said do you back to a podcast, I don't think I'd ever actually watched a podcast start to finish. I'm going to be brutally honest. Um, obviously, that changed pretty quickly, and in research, you obviously are going to gravitate towards somebody like Joe Rogan, and as much as he has, you know, the Milosses and whoever else that mm-hmm. Alex Joneses and whatnot. There's also a, a Brian Cox or a Neil deGrasse Tyson or what you know where he's exploring this other thing and that's definitely something that I like about it. If you want to go down the niche roads with podcasting, it's your format. Go do what the fuck you like. Yeah. With. Like yeah. it's your thing. Like go express yourself whatever way you want. But like having that variety is definitely something that keeps me interested in it because you're going who have we got today? And it's like oh sometimes you've done a bit of reading, sometimes I've done a bit of reading, sometimes we've wires crossed and done they reading you just yeah. got to go in and like you know wing it you know what I mean like it's the variety that I love about it and that, that's something that I think I definitely like when I watched Rogan and guys like that went do you know what kind of probably want some of that on the go mm-hmm. so who else was there 
what what uh, who else was I listening to? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, uh, they they were like the two main ones for ages and ages. Just, just like flipping because when you've got a back catalogue of like you know twelve, well yeah maybe twelve hundred or whatever, mm-hmm. you can go backwards and forwards. I did listen to uh, this guy called Andrew Deitch. He's got a good one, and then one of the guys I actually had earlier on. Uh, oh shit, he lives in LA. His name is Cameron McKinley, and that's terrible. <laughs> I can't remember his podcast, but I just sort of started off off with three. But I think that's the thing. If you're listening to a specialist one, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not that into football. Yeah. If it was up to me, I'd actually remove football from Glasgow. There would go controversial comment. Plus, a lot of problems to be mm-hmm. honest with you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think for, for me, because I was like listening to two ones that not only you're listening to, it, but you're listening to it, and you can just stop it, and then you can just go, oh interesting because he's referenced that guy and I don't know about that so I found like for each show that I was listening to I was then getting maybe like three to four and a half hours of educating myself about yep. you know whatever it may well be definitely because in a three hour conversation it's like you know obviously like there's an hour of smash and then there's an hour of hilarity but then there is obviously one hour of you know educational stuff mm-hmm. so from that I would just I'd sort of just be on to that yeah uh, it's almost like the like YouTube, you just go through one, and then you're like, "Oh, th- this guy's got his own podcast." Yeah. So it's like that. I mean, I don't. Have to, I listen to. I must have at least twenty, and like my iTunes, but I don't listen to them all. You know, I'll listen to an episode here yeah. and an episode yeah. there, and then I'm like, oh, "I really want to go back," but there's just not enough hours in the day. Like to yeah. listen to. I'm listening to the Happy Place with the Fern Fern Cotton. Cotton. I've which, listened to a few episodes of that. It's which, really which good. Is, one. Yeah, it's really, really I mean, good. It's class. It's good. Uh, one of my guests that was on. The podcast guy called Gus Warland, he done this tremendous documentary called Man Up about the male suicide mm-hmm. epidemic in Australia, mm-hmm. and uh, he's now got a podcast and it's like you know he is he is to Australian broadcasting, you know what I suppose Chris Evans or Chris okay. Wills is like he's the number one guy. Fair enough. And he's now done this a uh, cracking podcast and it's all about <coughs> men's health. And the production value on it's really good, so it's kind of nice listening to stuff like that because you're just like. I think as well, that's an important pr- way to promote that idea in America, uh, Australia. Sorry, because we had um, Dan Proverbs for Brothers in Arms, um, Scotland's male suicide charity, um, or male suicide prevention charity, and he was talking to us about the figures in Australia, and they're dramatically younger than they are in the UK. I think in the UK, you're talking like what was it, like eighteen to forty-five, but in Australia, he was saying it was mere like late teens, early twenties. So yeah. coming at that demographic in like a podcast format that they're engaging with is probably going to be something, especially if you're a, a mainstream figure. Probably yeah. quite a smart move to get the message out there. But it was, it was good. I actually watched the documentary <clears throat> and I was going over to Australia for a wedding and I'd, I think I'd already sent them stuff before I knew I was going to the wedding. It was just like, oh, I just watched the documentary. Like, Wicked, like, really amazing. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, great. Glad you enjoyed it. I didn't know how big he was, so I wasn't surprised that he got back to me because I'm so fucking important. No, I, wasn't, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really expect him, but you know what I mean. Uh, and then when I went out to Australia, I was like, I sent him a message saying, "Listen, I'm doing this podcast show. Would you mind like giving me an hour of your time?" And he's like, "Yeah, just come up to the office." And then I come nice. to the office and was just like, "Holy shit! Like this is just like this is massive." And then obviously just sitting in the reception, you're, and you've just realised, "Time is fucking it, like." 
Oh, right. <laughs> right. okay. <laughs> and then when and, and then they end up getting a tour at studio, and then I was just like, yes, this is like better than Radio One. This is like Radio One and Crack Cocaine. It's fucking tremendous. Yeah. And then went and sat down with him for an hour, and yeah, he was he was he was really good. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was just, yeah, he was. And you you've been on radio yourself, is that right? Yeah. So uh, I'm sort of taking a hiatus, which is a fancy word for not saying if I'm going back yet. So I had a radio show as well. So I was doing that every Friday, every Thursday and Friday drive time for about mm-hmm. two years, which was really good fun. Again, you know, you're able to, I'm sure you have guests that you get on and then there's like other guests and you're like, can we wrap a show around that? Mm-hmm. So it was really nice because I could, you know, get folk in from the RSPCA or I could get like folk in from, you know, Street Support Scotland or whatever, yeah. street soccer. And I could just get them in for like, you know, 20 minutes and we could cover like pretty much everything, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in sort of four five minute segments while you know doing that sort of desert island discs of you know watching you know mm-hmm. what does yep. it make you think of and it was you know really nice because it's better than the normal drive time show and mm-hmm. if you're traveling them 74 in between junction 90 you're like fuck off <laughs> uh, so yeah no so it was good i really enjoyed that as well and again sometimes you're getting guests in by email or by text message mm-hmm. or twitter or whatever you've not actually spoken to them and then like they come in the studio and there was one particular person and it was just like oh my god it was like such a hard interview. Oh, no. like like one of the hardest interviews I've ever had in my life. Was it, I take it was one that you were looking forward to by the sounds of it. I was. I was. I was really looking forward to it because it was something that was close to my heart. It was something that was like a really exciting project that was wrapped around this, and it was uh, an industry <laughs> expert that was coming in. So I thought it was going to be like really Dead good fun. Easy. Yeah. yeah, but you know that immediate thing. It's like you know we meet someone like the first three seconds. It's like. Is there eye contact? Yeah. Yes or no? Is there a handshake? Is there a gesture? Whatever. And this, you know, this guy came in like he'd just taken a shite in his, you know, in his driver's seat or whatever. We've not quite had the, we've not we've not quite surely. had the train wreck yet. Uh, no, because I just you know because some people come alive you know when you flick the switch. Yeah, they just mm-hmm. and then oh yeah that's really interesting and they start leaning forward in the body but he was just like that and I'm like you know this is a really exciting project and how did you get involved with this? And he's like, well, you know, uh, <laughs> I was just in the office and it was a, it was a Thursday morning, I think. Maybe it was a Wednesday. You know, it was a Thursday. Thursday afternoon it was. <laughs> and uh, I, got, I got a phone call from Michael and he said, uh, how you get? And it was just like, what? Ouch. Ouch. But I think we, we figured out quite early, well, maybe no early, but maybe five, six episodes in that there's only so much you can do that you need the sort of, it needs to be a, like a two-way street between the guest and yeah. you. Because couple of times I don't think we've ever had like that bad an experience no I don't think so I don't think so but there's been a couple of people that are clearly nervous that's a bit of a weird one for me I'm still getting used to that that people come in and go quite nervous by this you know like like we're literally sitting about in a bedroom talking shit yeah yeah, 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 we're just having a a carry on but I'm a firm believer that for and I don't think it's just for podcasting or interviewing or whatever it's like if there's a really hard point in your life there'll be tools that you'll get from it experiences from it and it's like then at that point that when you go into the next one, if it's equally as hard, you're you're prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And if it's an easy one, then you're like totally match fit for it. Yeah. Like I went out to do the one in Compton, and that was just like that was like really. So who did you interview in Compton? Uh, it so it was a uh, stood here with a tattoo in his face. Uh, no, that boy's from Dumbarton. I used right, to train okay. That's uh, David Rafferty. <laughs> oh, uh, just to- total, total, <laughs> my, total assumptions getting made. All, all uh, so it's place. episode number seven. So oh, right, uh, okay. it was actually three years ago this week, 
And oh, well. it was a two two guys from Compton who are from rival gangs. Right. And they basically would meet every so often at parties or whatever. And they had like mutual female acquaintances. Uh, and they reached that stage in life where they were seeing their pals either being shot mm-hmm. and dying, going to jail, uh, or just, you know, like an early grave, and that was it. So <clears throat> one of the boys' mums, she was a lawyer, and she just said, like, you know, your, your pals keep on dying, like, what's your fucking game plan? And he was yeah. like, oh, well, I really like cooking. So she sent him to the Cordon Bleu, which I know to us sounds like really cheesy, like something you buy from the garage at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but she sent him to this Cordon Bleu chef school. Yep. And he was there. And then at the weekends, he would go and he would cook for these high rollers and stuff in the sweets. And then he also had a crack in Instagram business where I think he would sell fake hair, like hair weaves. Okay. okay. Right. Uh, and then he came back, and then the two of them decided that they would set up this business where they would go and buy. Stuff like say from Aldi or Lidl in the morning, so we'd go up and like, well, what's in special? Well, pineapple bowls in special, and chickens in special. Let's go back and you know do a teriyaki bowl, and then we'll just put it up on Instagram, like available from you know ten till two, and then that was a thing, and then they would just do that, and now they've worked their way up to they do outreach programs for schools. Wow. They've got food trucks up and down the west coast. Uh, they've done catering for like barber shop, a you know all these different things where they've mm-hmm. where they've just went into, and that was a really that was a really tough interview, like it was really, really tough. <clears throat> and the only reason why we got through it is because he asked me what kind of guns do we use in Glasgow, right. and I said, "Oh no, we, we don't, don't have guns. <coughs> we don't have guns." No, we we stick to knives. Yeah, I used to work as a, a bodyguard. And went away in the what, like. Wait a minute. Like, <laughs> Podcast or hairdresser, or hairdresser, actor, bodyguard, comedian, owned, owned a Porsche import business. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, I've had I've had tons and tons of different jobs. I uh, had a private paper round, scaffolding. I had a car violent business. Uh, I've been to business school. I've been to art school. Used to DJ. Used to. Clean dishes in the kitchen. We're going to need many episodes here, dude. Uh, <laughs> used to manage bars. Yeah, so I've had lots of stuff, but when I was doing the bodyguard stuff, we had to do a first aid, but it's not first aid for, oh, you've cut your finger. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, well, it's hostile medical stuff, so you've been shot, like, you know, what we're doing next. Mm-hmm. So during the course, we'd talking about, like, you know, like stab wounds and stuff, and been talking about, like, you know, blood and viscosity and, like, aid and suction and blades and this kind of carry on. So when I'd said to him, oh, eh, we don't use guns, we use knives, and he just and he just sort of leaned up for me and like, hmm, up close and personal. Uh, did they like that? Eh, <laughs> he went like, you never forget that. And then I just said as a throwaway comment, I said, yeah, that smell of iron in the blood, that's something you never forget, is it? And then at that point, he just totally leaned back and was like, so what do you want to talk about? Right. And so that, that, yeah, just broke the ice. you're talking yeah, about that, a training that, course. Yeah, that, that totally broke the ice. And I think that, you know, it's easy, like, you know, for us to, like, sit in a room and, you know, like, yeah. three white guys. But I think that if you grew up in Compton, certainly from having spent time with them on and off the recording, their introduction to a white male figure is somebody that's wearing a badge. Yeah, yeah. so slightly sceptical about you know, what your agenda is and yeah. why you're there to interview them. And, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I'd sent I'd a message saying, oh, just, you know, came across your project. I mean, I was, I was in there before Vice, I was in there before CBS, I was in there before Fox. And uh, so how did you, how did you 
I'm fucked with him. With him. All right. Uh, how did that come about? So, well, they had their Instagram page, and I think that's how I stumbled across it. Just DM them on Instagram. And so I just kind of like what we do is yeah. we just sit on social media, and if something piques our interest, we just direct message people and hope that they come on. And we've been trying to sort of think a wee bit about like, is there a better way to do this? And I don't think there is. I think that especially for this type of platform, where you're trying to just get somebody in and engaging with them. It seems to be that that sort of just like, hey man. I've got a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to come on? Yeah. Seems to be the best sort of format. So I been... think if you start going down agents or whatever, like there's a certain person from mm. a British telly that everyone knows. And I'd spoken to their agent. Sorry, I'd spoken to them on Twitter and said, listen, I've got this show. This is about profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they went, I like that idea. Go and speak to my agent. Yeah. We've had that a couple of times mm. as well and it's never worked out. And then the agent said the how much you're willing to pay that's it yeah. and I was like that, well, how, well I said if you tell me how much it's going to be I'll see if I can attach like values to that or if I can raise that amount of money and he said no you tell me how much you're willing to pay and then I'll tell you if he's willing to do it mm-hmm. and I was just like surely there's like a standard rate or whatever for this type of thing surely that's an yeah. agent's job yeah like, to be like this how is much the person was going to be in Glasgow Edinburgh Inverness for a period of time and I'd said well I'm more than happy to either transport them from A to B to C or I'll meet them before or mm-hmm. after or during the performance. Yeah. And then uh, he was just like, yeah, we'll just, uh, you know, give, give us a figure. And I was like, well, can you give me a figure? He goes, anywhere between 10 grand and nothing. And I was just like, what? Well, I'll pay nothing then. But then uh, after that, like, they, they just went absolutely cold. Yeah. And that, then at that point, you're just like, I have not like, oh, poor me. But at that point, you've like poured a lot of like positivity and a lot of... yeah energy into it and then when you get stuff back you're like fuck you then mm-hmm. like now 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 i think that you're a bit of a dick or now i think your management's a bit of a dick so mm-hmm. now that if you come to me then there's now this yeah there's, there's now this like imagine beef between yeah us. i it's yeah, only I mean, happening in your head but uh, it's yeah. absolutely like, but then if the person comes in you know i can't then go oh it's lovely to have you in the show because i'm just gonna think your fucking representation's an asshole <laughs> yeah so it's a shame. It really is a shame. But I think that I mean we've had reservations. We've we've had a couple of politicians, and I've had reservations about bringing them in here and being like, it's just down to the basement into the spare room, <laughs> like that type of thing. But yeah, to be honest, like I mean the last guest that we had on was um, Paul Sweeney as an MP, and he came in and he was like, oh wow, this is class. Yeah, they're like, oh really? That's uh, cool. Like people are always like, oh this is this is. This is cool. Like, I think you my, watch uh, the show and they think that we're in a studio for something. Yeah, uh, like, oh, my experience with like management because I took a wee bit longer on the pickup when it was about getting guests in and stuff like that. He's like a salesman and fearless, so he just waded straight in. It took me a bit of time to get to grips with it. Um, and I remember one time approaching um, a kind of like extreme sports kind of personality in the build up to you know one of the shows and was like, Oh, we'd love to have you on, and you know, blah blah blah. Like, love your work and all the rest of it, and get a like reply back from a management company going, uh, you know, what's your media pack and blah. And we've been uh, doing this for like four seconds. Like, we're all just <laughs> like, you uh, uh, well, do you know what? Sorry, I've wasted your time. So I found like interaction quite instructive a lot of times because yeah. they tend to ask for things that maybe we've no thought of yet or we've maybe, maybe yeah. not put together and stuff like that. Um, but that one was a bit of a humbling one where the guy sent back like, oh, this sounds really cool. And like, he <laughs> was actually, they were into it, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and like, what's your reach and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mm, I, like I'm sorry, I've missed your time here, man. Yeah, yeah. You had one guy saying, oh, I'd love to come on your show, eh, but only if you have 100,000 subscribers. I've heard a few people say stuff like that. Like, Mate, if I had 100,000 subscribers, 
I'd maybe be getting better people. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so put it bluntly. I actually seen a, a thing on uh, Twitter the other day that had a job application that said minimum 20k Instagram subscribers. So this is the potential of where we're An going. An actual to, like, job job? Yeah. Working for a software building company. Fuck me. But they're all <laughs> trying to promote. So they're all, right. it'll be part of the job remit. It'll be you need to promote once a day or you'd like Instagram story. But 20k minimum Instagram followers before you can That's even wild. apply for a fucking job. But it's mad though because it's like you could be like a fucking idiot. I like Takashi69. I mean, I've obviously, who, who's not been like, had like clips of him in their Instagram or their yeah. Twitter or whatever. But it's like, you know, I'm tempted to say something quite inflammatory. Go for it, hey, fuck it, who cares? Uh, He's a fucking idiot. He <laughs> sounds like a fucking idiot. He behaves like an idiot. However, he has like however many followers. So if somebody wants to like launch a set of headphones, a set of trainers or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. then they just go, okay, well, that guy has the ear and the eye of like, we'll say like a million people. So, yeah. you know, let's push that through. I mean, and I'm, and I'm let's, like, let's be honest. If you are into that, right? And one of the Jenner girls is like, here's this amazing palette of makeup and you go and buy that. You're a fucking idiot as well because mm-hmm. they are selling you pound shop shite Aye. at 25, 30, 40, 50 quid and they're getting paid ridiculous amounts of money for you to be like, oh, that's going to make me look and feel like this. It's like, no, do you know what? She's a billionaire. Like, yeah. th- th- you're not going to look and feel like that, unfortunately. No pissing on your chips. But this is like, we're getting into, we're getting back to this snake oil salesman thing that happened in the turn of the last century where we went through Alexa. this whole... Yeah, 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 we went through this whole regulation <laughs> thing where we were like, we need to stop selling these things that don't work. I mean, cigarettes... Or a prime example where it was like Woodbine will keep the doctor at bay or whatever. If you get a chesty cough, have, have some fight. cigarettes. <laughs> I, but we get away from that over the course of 100 years and it's like, right, now we know it's killing people but now we're, the internet has opened it back up. Now people are selling, like you're saying, like five quid Bluetooth headphones for 100 quid because they look like earpods. Yeah. And we're going back to the fucking Vaginal snake. eggs. I just can't What's believe that? Vaginal eggs. Yeah, I can't believe that fangs are still a thing. Uh, I, they're, surely they're dying out like vape like, like vaping like, like, I'm a hardcore smoker by the way right, so no, I'm no, going to no, take no. an unpopular position on this right, no, no matter no. what you say right, right, <laughs> no no no, no fair enough but here's the thing if we all went to a bank or the building society business gateway you know funding body and cigarettes were not about and then went and said we'd like to reach this you know, you know this new product okay well can you tell us about it well it's a plan you dig it out the ground, you roll it, you cut it up, <laughs> you package it, you sell it, it's £10 a packet, we have to give this amount of money to the government, uh, okay, any downsides, hold on, <laughs> <laughs> diabetes, cancer, <laughs> heart disease, uh, glaucoma, right, maybe I'm not going to disagree here, strokes, <laughs> strokes it's going to like fuck the NHS, something rotten. Sorry, can you just repeat uh, all like, that again? Like, do you want to invest? Do you want to invest? Taste amazing with coffee, though. Right, I used to be a smoker. There is an upside. There is an right, upside. I've, I've smoked for many, many years, and there is something, and I think it's the only redeeming feature about smoking. As a smoker, it's perhaps the only time that you focus and concentrate on the inhalation and the exhalation of your breath. <laughs> <laughs> when you, you know what I mean? Think about it. Like when I worked in hairdressing and I was like, that really technically stressed. makes it meditation. Yeah, it is. It's meditation. It's just it's meditation while killing yourself and for poison. But it's just like that. Like I remember like smoking fags. And it's like when I worked in a really high pressure job, it's like I had like nine mm-hmm. minutes for lunch, but 
God damn it, that's I'm a getting great, a cigar. That, yeah. That's yeah. a great one. Getting fitted in. Uh-huh. Definitely. Like, the kind of interesting take actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely not going to disagree. You're absolutely right. It's, it's it should die out. Like I've, I've had periods off it um, and did the whole vape thing, but like all a vape does is remind me that I'm no smoking. So yeah. it does like, and mm-hmm. I'm like smoking significantly better than this. Like I don't mm. really want to just soak in like strawberry water. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, but that's mine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Everybody else is different. I'm, I think everyone has like you know everyone has like a vice or whatever. Everyone has a thing that mm. perhaps they know that they do which they shouldn't be doing, or they do it and perhaps they think fuck I should be doing less of this. But I, it's mad though. It's mad. Like I remember like going. So I'm 44. I can remember like going to like parties up at my grand and granddad's up in Knightswood. Mm. Eight, sorry, 19 story Kestrel Road. Hug Mini, you could walk through the room and start doing this and putting channels oh. in the room with so much smoke. <laughs> Absolutely. Saying, oh, my eyes are stinging. Ignore the, ignore the, the wash machine. <laughs> is, it, is that the Demeno's trying to come in? A, having a, like, having like really stingy eyes and saying like to my grandparents and my mum and my dad, oh, my eyes hurt. And then them saying, just go and stand out in the veranda for five minutes, you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. And then going out and stand in the veranda. And for any international listeners... Hugmany in Scotland is cold as fuck. <laughs> and they're like standing there just going, oh, do you need a shirt or something? Oh, no, it wouldn't be out there for too long. It'd be fine. And it's just like, you know, that was the thing. Smoking in planes, smoking or non-smoking. Yeah. So, well, surely it all fucking circulates. No, non-smoking or Apparently, smoking. like, so I get the veranda hang and it's probably like an indication of how far we've come as a society that that dynamic has like reversed and it's now people standing in the house and all <laughs> the smokers out on the veranda the which yeah, is probably you can go outside yeah, and I'll get out. you the fuck out in the veranda and yeah, that's, yeah, that's like, a liberal progression that's, right yeah, there like, <laughs> that, that is evolution in a, in a sense like but like the airplanes one like I read somewhere and it might be one of these like pure you know uber facts or whatever you know um, that like plane air was actually better when people smoked because they had to like circulate it more often oh, to right. get the smoke out of the air whereas like they still circulate now but not to the same extent, apparently. And no, it's just farts. It's just circulated <laughs> farts uh, that you're yeah. Air travel is so fucking uncivilised. I just came back from my, my stepdaughter lives in Los Angeles. So we go over there to see her. So it's of course a long haul. And I fucking hate long haul. It's flights. disgusting. I've, it's... I've actually got a list of 10 things that I don't like about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And a. On, honest to God, like it's just like you know, fucking be civilized. You know what I mean, don't be a fucking dick. In fact, I've I've got them in my phone. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm read them out because I really like them. I've only ever done th- what could be classified as like three long haul flights, and every single well six mm. but there and back. Yeah, and every single one of them's been absolutely horrible, and it takes you at least a week to recover yeah. properly, like recover for it. It's like physically, it's, it's disgusting. Physically, like, it just yeah. fucks you. Okay, so number one, if you turn up in a pair of shorts and a blazer, you're possibly a prick. Is <laughs> <laughs> that not just a general yeah, 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 like, yeah. it's just a general Maybe yeah. in the yacht club. Like. If, you, if, if, you, <laughs> if you fail to acknowledge the staff that like pretty much taking your boarding pass or whatever, you're possibly a prick. Yeah. If you've got three pieces of hand luggage, but you don't have three hands, <laughs> you're a prick. Uh, if you tell people that you paid good money for this flight, what, as opposed to bad money? You're, you're a prick. Uh, if you exhale loudly and tut because you can't enter the plane first so that other people can hear it, then you're a prick. There should be somebody at the front of the queue monitoring that. Yeah. So there should be like... Not knocking them out. Huffing right up to the end, mate. Yeah. Next person. Why? Yeah. Uh, if you ask loudly, where's the bubbles as soon as you sit in your seat? 
you're a prick. <laughs> what, uh, what's that in reference to? Just like, oh, can we get some champagne? Oh, right, okay, all yeah. oh, right, okay, right, right, uh, bubbles are out. I was actually thinking about, like, have you been on a long haul flight with the blown bubbles? And usually, the, usually <laughs> like to get my brain went to Michael Jackson's monkey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number seven, if you use other passengers' seats as an armrest when you're getting out the seat, <laughs> yes. then you're a fucking master prick. Yes, I agree with that on 100%. Like, uh, uh, fucking stand up, mate, you've got legs. Eight hours in. Eight, eight, if you fucking cough and do not cover your mouth, you're a massive prick. Eight, number nine, if you shout across the cabin at people that you know, <laughs> you know, book seats together, you're a prick. Eight, and number ten, if you talk loudly on hands-free. Oh. On a flight? On a flight. While like they're boarding everyone, right? Aye, then, aye. Then to me, like you're a fucking massive world class. What's your worst experience? I've got, I've got a belt on. Well, I can relate with the last one because on. I've been on many a number forty one bus in Glasgow with some bam like playing like so that hands free and that that I think that's for any public places. Anybody that's shouting on a phone and Costa and fucking the train the bus. <sighs> You get arrest, nobody yeah. gives a fuck, mate. Right. Like, nobody cares about what you're talking about. Like, hello, you're like, right, calm down. Right, See the cracking thing in Union Street yesterday? There's a girl and she's got earbuds in, right? Bluetooth earbuds. But she's talking to the phone like that while she's walking along the street. Uh, and I'm just like, what the fuck are you what doing? Are you doing? <laughs> like, sorry, Siri, I don't understand either. So I was just like that. <laughs> but I was just like that. What, uh, what the fuck is going on? Like, you know, it's just like, absolutely. To- totally regressing. I had a, a flight. I think it was eight hours and I looked behind me and it was like a, a family so it was one of the four seats in the middle of the, the cabin and it was like mum, kid, baby and then dad. Right. So the baby's right behind me and being six foot five I'm like fucking beautiful. I can just slam the seat back. <laughs> yeah. Literally nobody behind me. It's a baby. Like it's like one, two. Did you There's... shout give him the chair when you pushed it back? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I put the chair back and uh, the mum was like, can you put your chair forward? I was like, what for? She's like, because the kid's behind you. That's a baby. She's like, no, just put your chair forward. I was like, no. Just <laughs> no. And the, and the dad was just like, give me the eye as if, and I was like, no, fuck that. I'm refusing to bring my chair back up. It's a fucking baby. It doesn't have a fucking clue. It's not like I'm, it, it needs its dinner. Like you need the, it needs the tray for its dinner. Yeah. Why do you want me to put my fucking chair back? It's just, they, they must have thought I was a massive, probably thought I was a prick because I wouldn't put my chair back. But no, like I'm 6'5, I'm yeah. uncomfortable. Fuck your win. Like it's it's a baby, fuck's sake. Uh, I'm still I'm still raging about that. But that's my worst experience on a flight was getting abused by a mother because I'd put my chair back on its baby. And I don't under, I still you fucking, don't understand. You, you prick you. I know, absolute prick. But I'm with you, man. Long haul flights, the, the food shite, the entertainments, mediocre, the recycled airs, disgusting, like you I'm six foot five, you're a tall guy yeah. as well. It seems to be that air travel's getting progressively more and more uncomfortable for tall people. It's getting closer to that 44 bus. <laughs> you just can't. Except I, mean, I can smoke I need to, on the 44. See on, on like any Pretty sure you shouldn't be. <laughs> see, on, see on any normal flight, I literally need to sit like perfectly upright for like seven hours, just like can't move because my knees are hitting the chair. And my back's against this fucking back. I hate it. Absolutely fucking. Now, I'm not going to say that I've studied interrogation techniques, but I'm sure we're all aware of stress positions. Yeah. Mm. And it's like, if you're sitting in that upright chair for a period of time, it's like that is a fucking stress position. Yeah. Mm. So you either need to get up and get out your seat or whatever, and you need to start moving about, but it's not designed. It's not like there's, you know, any 
there's not like really any area that you could like say do a lunge or whatever. Aye, go and congregate. Yeah, you can unless you're in first class where they've got like a fucking bar or whatever. <laughs> oh, they've the, the, got beds. Aye, one of them's got a gym, so you could literally go and have a wee run. One of them's got a shower. The Emirates, the Emirates business class. Eh, sorry, the Emirates first class. They've got showers, and they. I've got a friend actually, a really, really good friend of mine, and I met him through the show, and he's an actor, and he's a he's a handsome looking boy, and he travels by himself because he's travelling mm-hmm. for work. And he quite often gets upgraded. So he was coming back from India. He was doing a film in India just now. And he was coming back from India and they just said, Oh, he... uh, sorry, sorry, you're in the wrong seat. And he was just like, 16B? Oh, no, this is my seat. And I'm sorry, you're in the wrong seat if you'd just like to come with me. So they then take him from his business class seat all the way through into first class. And they just go, Are you the actor from that film? And he's like, Oh, I actually am. Oh, we just like you'd be more comfortable through here. Oh, see that. Well, if they'd said no, Aye. what if he'd been like, no, it's not me, she's going to go right, cool, we'll just go back to your seat through there then. Yeah, no, I mean, like, well, no, well, I'm well, one well, of these well, now. Well, his well, movie was actually on in flight entertainment, so I think they, they obviously knew it right. But uh, Seen him on the DVD yeah, cover. See, see, that's <laughs> like that whole thing where if you don't have anything, it, like, so, yeah, if you go to the Oscars party, the after party, they walk through and it's like, Oh, have a lease for a Merc for a year. And yeah. So if you if you've the more that you have, the more that you just get thrown at you. So this guy's an actor, clearly mm. got a great job and has a, a wonderful life, sitting in business class already. Mm. And they're like, oh, just just pop up <coughs> to first class if you're just normal Joe, whatever, or me, mm. for instance. I don't get that shit. No. You know, I get contempt because <laughs> I'm so tall. And I'm like, is there any extra legroom? They're like, no, fuck you. you yeah. yeah. Pay 120 quid for it. Or yeah, fuck, fuck you off. in your economy seat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Although Emirates flights, I've been on one. I've been to Dubai once and I was on one and it was the best flight I've ever been on oh, in my yeah. life. Like the, the legroom's perfect. Free booze all the way there for a, an airline that's owned by Muslims. Yeah. It's ridiculous that they're just like, how many Jack Daniels do you want? 50? It's a country that's in conflict in between like, the religious values and like you know materialism and the growth of a country because, you know, mm-hmm. again, they won't say anything controversial, but the way that Dubai grows is very much, I would say, from my limited economic standing, is on the Western model mm. of, you know, oh, growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so, yeah, so when we end up getting upgraded, uh, he was like, oh, uh, is this the plane with the shower? And she was like, ah, yeah. So he said he was in the shower and it was like, you know, ten minutes. And he's like, ah, "How was it?" He goes, "Oh, it was amazing." He's like, "Cause like a minute ago, like you were sitting in your seat, and now you're like covered a shiver." And it's like the plane's <laughs> doing like you know seven hundred and forty nine miles an hour, whatever it is. Yeah, that's wild. So, in terms of the acting side, I think that's something that as, as we were kind of looking in a you know yourself in the build up to this. Like, I noticed you've got a number of like acting credits. Yeah. Um, one that I was particularly interested in was just because it was one I seen pop up recently. Oh, it's like, not one I've made up. <laughs> <laughs> right, fair enough. Uh, you were James a, Bond in yeah, this. Like, so, like, when you played Frodo, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Wild Rose, um, the Glasgow lassie who gets out of prison and yeah. tries to become a country singer, like, uh, that was one that I'd seen recently and was put, oh, we need to, you know, keep an eye out for that. Um, but, uh, like, as well as hairdressing and bodyguarding and all the rest of it, um, like, what? How did you get any acting? I mean, it's a pretty diverse uh, like, offshoot to some of the, the previous stuff you've done. Well, I'd qualified in a Tony and Guy at the time as a hairdresser, and it'd been this like massive four-year journey, mm-hmm. and I'd got to the end of it, and I felt kind of deflated. I was elated for the first six months; it was amazing, and then realised that I didn't have any goals after that. Right. Uh, so I ended up doing hospital radio and that was good. And then ended up doing stand-up comedy and that was really good fun. And then I just came up with this mad idea that, hey, 
why did I quit my highly successful full-time job and go to drama school as opposed <laughs> to like joining an Amdram club, which my brother said, maybe you should join an Amdram club. And I was like, fuck it, no, I'm going to drama school. So it was two years there. Right. And then I would just go like go for an audition and go for an audition and go for an audition. Mm. And they, if you like rejection, then acting's a job for right. you. Right. Uh, so yeah, no, so it was good. And then just after that, just sort of got like one job and then like it got like a wee bit bigger mm -hmm. and then it got a wee bit bigger. So yeah, I mean, it's it's been really good fun. The days where it's good, like you just have to like pinch yourself and just going, this is tremendous. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then there's other days where you're just like, just going, what the fuck am I doing here? Right. So, because we had the guys for um, Kalanan a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about being extras on, was it the Outlaw King or something like that, or was it the was it the Robert, it was the, Bruce the, Robert one? the Robert the Bruce movie, the Angus McFadden, yeah, because it's Sunny World, and they were saying about like that, like oh, we're going to be extras, and then the next thing it's them just kind of like stood in a field in armor for like eight hours when the chucking down. Sometimes you like see amazing stuff like the, the Jesse Buckley performance. Mm -hmm. So I believe it's a performance at the end where she's at the the fruit market. Yep. For me, like a good actor is somebody that can react, but a really great actor is somebody that knows what their character is knows the relationship and they just deliver that same line mm -hmm. with the same intensity, volume, pitch and tone. I've maybe seen like half a dozen people pull it off like really strong. Mm -hmm. But Jessie Buckley came out and I swear to you, she sang that song maybe 36, 40 times from beginning to end and she possibly like got about halfway through or finished it halfway in and each single time, like just that Boom. Just, just that breath, and then going into it, like, mm -hmm. and you know the, the swing of the guitar and everything. I mean, she was like, oh, she was tremendous. Aye, that's definitely one I want to get around to seeing pretty soon. And is that a true story? Uh, you was telling me the premise of it. Like, well, well, I think the premise of it, like, sort of goes back to like pretty much every country and western thing, like mm. you know, you know, dreams and you know, nightmares and addiction and struggle and not being understood or you know i think country and western music is so popular yeah. You know, yeah it speaks it's the about, stories yeah that. yeah it's the stories and i think it speaks about like sort of the, the duality of you know the human being that we have mm -hmm. all these things that we want to get to and we can't quite get and then we struggle for and then they're taken away or we rely on people and then they fuck us up or whatever or then like we think we're gonna get there and then we do and it's this amazing thing i think dolly parton said it best when she said hey, if you want to have the rainbow, you have to have a little rain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's your <clears throat> your own sort of personal experiences in that? So have you had sort of like your own troubles and adversity that you've managed to come through oh, yourself? Oh, fuck yeah. I think yeah. everybody has. But yeah, everyone has. I don't uh, know if many people, a lot of people maybe don't want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, you know no, no, I mean? not at all. Uh, people always say like, you know, school school's like the happiest time of your life. Like, you know, that's the best or whatever. Mm. Like I've got like a learning disability. Okay. Uh, so I always like, you know, I'd go into class and I think the reason why I can do like a generalist thing or I can turn my hand to so many different things is because I'm like that as opposed to that. Mm. So I would just go into school and it's like the teacher would be like, you know, talking to me and she'd be like, you know, does everyone get that? And then I'd be like, no. <laughs> but then I was always a bit insecure because I was always taller than everyone else. Mm -hmm. So mm. I then didn't want to go and say, oh, I don't get this. Can you give me a hand with that? Yeah. So that sort of, you know, regressed or whatever. So that was all, that sort of like put me apart a wee bit, uh, and then we ended up having like a couple of deaths in the family, which was like you know again further remote. Mm. 
And then I think when I reached 15, it was this great thing where all the bams left school. And then yeah. it was I like, remember that. Yeah. I, I can totally remember that. <laughs> like, bye. Yeah. It, it, it <laughs> bye, was, guys. Yeah, it was just like, you know, someone's like, you know, rubbed the lamp and then it's just, uh, all right, okay, so, you know, we, we can talk about stuff. Aye. Where was it you went to school? The Largs Academy. All right, okay. Which is not a private school. I don't know why they called it an academy. But that sort of coincided with, uh, like, the discovering of alcohol. And I think that there'd been like a lot of pain that, you know, I think only as, you, <clears throat> think only as an adult you look back and just go, fucking, you should have possibly, like, you know, dealt with that. Mm-hmm. But like then the alcohol was there. And it's not like, you know, it was like fighting lampposts like seven nights a week. It wasn't at all. But it was just that thing of like, you know, socializing. Yeah. It was like, you know, that, that big massive sort of lubricant. And yeah, it was mad. It was, it was like really mad like you know when I look back on that behaviour now I'm just like now I'll maybe not drink right. for three months at a time mm-hmm. or I'll go to a wedding and I'll have like whatever drinks but not that alcohol was a struggle but it was an impediment and one that I wasn't perhaps aware of yeah I I had a similar I mean I know Matt spoke openly about his, mm. his problems with alcohol but I I don't see myself as I had a problem with alcohol but I know that I definitely had some problematic behaviour when I was drunk and I had went through years of <laughs>, laughs. I, I found almost all it hilarious yeah, like, I had, at the time. I had years where, and I, I used to openly say this, I would drink to get drunk. I didn't enjoy drinking. So yeah. like now I enjoy drinking. So mm. if, we, if it's a Saturday night and the UFC's on or we're watching a game of football, I can quite happily enjoy I cut like three Coronas and be yeah. like, I really like Coronas. and or, yeah. I, That's a really nice beer. Whereas... If we go back even two years, it, it would be right. We're in here, and I'm drinking whatever six or seven of them, and then I want a shot, and then we get out and we hit the pub, and it's just yeah. like Jack Daniels and shots, Jack Daniels yeah. and shots, until you're paralytic drunk. It's like sports and, drinking, and that mm. yeah, and that is a problem. But yeah. when I look back at it, it's like I never had really had a problem, but I realise now, and it's absolutely what you had said as well. I had so many parallels, like fifteen, sixteen drinking three litres of cider to prove that I was the big guy. Yeah, or to prove that you you fitted in. I didn't didn't really enjoy it, but it was a thing of, like, there was suddenly this, like, blanket thing, which then meant everyone was, like, hanging about, or it was, for for me, it was a blanket thing that nobody could see, I thought I was saying, like, a pure dick, nobody could see the real me because everyone was steaming, and if I was steaming, then I didn't have to let the real me out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or if I did let it out, then no one would really be able to see it. It was a really weird time, but because I'd started working in bars at 15, right? I'm not going to say alcoholism, but a... I mean, you're, you're at least partially your environment in a lot of senses, yeah. do you know what I mean? And at 15 years old, working in a bar environment, like... So was that... Aye. Different times, yeah, I suppose. And, and then it was like, hairdressing as well, so it's like, if you're not going out for four beers after work, yeah. then you're not getting the next promotion. And if you're not like you know yeah. doing other stuff, then you're not getting the promotion because you're not one of the boys, you're not one like, of the girls. It's, working in bars, hairdressing... Acting, radio presenting, these are all notorious yeah. industries where people are like coke and alcohol. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, but the, the common thing, I remember somebody saying to me that every everybody that manages a bar, I think the guy worked at Wotherspoons, is like every manager that I know in Wotherspoons is an absolute coke fiend. Yeah. And they, and they pretty much do it to get through the day. Uh-huh. It's no, it's because they're pissed. They got up, they need to work in the bar 12 till 12, and it's like, I need to go on it. So yeah. I need to get in. They're all, but that's four that you've had that are notorious for people going out and getting smashed after work. So yeah. I think and you've gravitated towards yeah. maybe. Uh, yeah, but it was mad. It was just like I ended up getting a job in a bar because I like being around people and I like socialising and I like talking and like, mm-hmm. you know, to have this whole spiel when people came into the bar and 
then you know, it started to glass collector and then I was like doing posters and then I was pouring drinks and it was like that, you know. Now even when I go into a bar, I'm just like that and one for yourself because it's just like, you know, one for yourself, like, you know. Yeah. And then hairdressing was like drinking all the time or whatever. And yeah, it was it was fucking crazy. And then at one point about 11 years ago, my life really started to go off the rails like pretty fucking heavily. And it was just due to stress at work. Mm-hmm. I'd taken this position and it was like my CV, although that was true, like, not that I'd been missold the job, but like basically said, can you do that? And I was like, yeah, of course I can do that. And then like I sat down to actually do it. And it was just like, the stuff that we're asking was like 10 times what they're asking for an interview. Mm. And then like I'd bought a flat and then I had like a major depressive episode, but not going to the doctor and getting it sorted out. It was just of like, I'll just sort it by like, you know, doing exercise <coughs> and diet because it's all sort of stigmatized or whatever. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, there was, there, was a, there was a point about 11 years ago where it was just like that, you know, a couple of, a couple of knocks on one side of the shoulder, I think would have sent me to not being here today. Yeah. And lucky right. enough, I had a couple of knocks on the shoulders, which sent me in another direction. And yeah. that's why, like, you know, sometimes when I'm walking along the street and I see someone that's, you know, homeless or whatever, you see someone that's, a, you know, I'm not going to say junkie, I'm going to say, you know, drug uh, dependent. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not going to say an alcoholic, I'm going to say someone that's, you know, alcohol dependent or whatever. It's just like, when you sit down and talk to these people and, you know, fuck man, depression, alcohol, drugs, it doesn't give a fuck no. what your tax code is, it doesn't give a fuck what your postcode is, mm-hmm. and it doesn't give a fuck what your mum and dad did for a living, or no. what school you went to. It's like, I've I've met guys that have been doctors, I've met guys that came from country estates and Persia or whatever. Obviously, there's, it seems to be the the thing of the working classes, and it's mm. just because that's, it's just, it's always there, it's always there. But hey, yeah, I mean, turmoil. Yeah. Um, even, even when, like, you know, there's periods like when I started this or whatever like when I first started this like the first episode I remember like sitting down doing it and it was like the actual first time I'd felt really good like really good in a long time mm-hmm. and it was almost like I'd sort of forgotten that thing of like you know I'm not going to say being a creative but like creating something and expressing yeah. yourself mm-hmm. and like you know no, we've come up you know, a number of times some, on other shows you know I mean, like, I mean yeah. there's, there's times when we finish and I'll, I'll, I'll be Brutally honest, it, it has been a wee while, but the, when we first started doing it, and I think it's just because we do it, we do it once a week now. Mm. But well, the guests would leave, and I would just feel like elated mm. and be like, "This yeah. is this is strange." Like, I just yeah, feel it's, like it's great, amazing. Though. It's, 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 it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's something, something, and not. Um, but I, that's exactly what you were saying. Something that I've realised in the last, maybe even just two, three years, is not even that the last year that. We, I came from a place where it was the junkies, and it was like, I mean, we, we would. I, I've said this in the podcast before. I'm really ashamed of it, but I openly talk about it. Is that mm-hmm. as friends, we would, growing up in East End, it would be like junkie bashing, where mm-hmm. the the local smart kids would be like pottering about, try to get money off you, and you would just be like, oh, we'll do this, we'll do that, and just take the piss out of them. I mean, mm-hmm. never really gave anybody like a real proper beating no. or anything like that. Yeah. But and that was the whole sort of they're just a junkie and that the way that they would be referred to in the scheme or even out of that like a oh, fucking scum basically yeah. or walking past homeless people even my dad's generation it would be like well they've made decisions that have made mm. that have meant that I they are that what they are of, right? and yeah. we live in a meritocracy and that <coughs> you get to where you're going to get to because of your own steam blah yeah. blah blah but it's just not true like it's not at all. so many people are hampered by 
the the situation that they just happen to be born into, and mm. I mean that even for people that are born into money, where it's the nanny brings them up and then they're shipped off to boarding school. Yeah, that's just as damaging to a child as having to get shipped off to their granny because their mom does want to get drunk in a flat somewhere in a, in a scheme. That that's the sort of realizations that I'm coming to talking to people is just like mm. fuck, man, like. These people, I've just looked down my nose at them my full life, I think that's and, the and I'm one of them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think if you're brought up with that narrative, then it's like that's you know if it's like I'm not going to get into politics, but yeah. like if you grow up and your your family's all labour, fucking hell, you're possibly going to be labour, and you can have that maybe not for fascists, but mm-hmm. it, I'm going to say Tory next. If you have that for Tory or Labour SMT, that's that's the rhetoric. That's the thing that you're going to be brought up with. Absolutely. So that's possibly what you're going to take on board. And I think that thing of like just going, oh yeah, fucking junkie. It's like that's because it's something that you know it's been heard or something mm-hmm. that's been conditioned. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think because I had a period of time where it was just like not the fucking best. But I don't, in, in fairness, I'd, I'd, I'd always been a thinking of people that are less fortunate than me. Remember, one time I'd finished work, and it was like a really horrible night, and I used to get housing benefit in the middle of the month. Mm-hmm. But I'd get paid my wage. My wage, I think, was two hundred pound a week. And my rent was two hundred and twenty, so when everyone was celebrating payday, then I'd be basically twenty down. Yeah, but the rent still have to get paid. Yeah, so I'd have to walk from Corner Renfield and St Vincent, so then I'd have to walk all the way along like Sucky Hall Street up to Mary Hill. So I'd generally walk along Sucky Hall Street, and there'd be people obviously like last Friday. So let's be honest, everyone's like fucking drinking and smoking yeah. and, and winching and all that kind mm. of carrying. And I'm basically going up the road with whatever money I've got in my pocket. Yeah. And I passed Mr. Chips just beside the, the garage. Mm-hmm. And they... Uh, Rest in peace. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Chips. Sad. Uh, so when I passed, there was this, like, you know, junkie alcoholic or whatever outside. And I was walking past, I went, like, any spare change? And he, I was like, oh, no, sorry, mate. And then I just got pretty much the dry cleaners. just like that. Right, fucking hold on, Stephen. Like, you've got fresh, clean, dry clothes on. You're going to go up the road. You're going to, mm. like, have a shower. You're going to have your dinner. You're gonna go to your bed. You're gonna get up, and you're gonna go to your work tomorrow. So go back and sort the guy out. Mm. So went over and was like, "Hey, doing?" Was like, "What's your name?" Was like, "Michael." And was like, "Hey, what can I get?" He's like, "Oh, can I get fish and chips?" I'm like, mm. "What else do you want?" He's like, "Can I get a bottle of ginger?" I was like, "What do you want?" He's like, "Andrew." He's like, "What else?" He's like, hey, "They've got lion bars. Can I get a lion bar?" I'm like, "I no problem at all." So went in and think I had like two pound fifty left. Whatever. This is my entire like. I didn't have anything else. Mm-hmm. Like this was everything that I had. And then I just gave it to him and I was like, there you go, mate. So I'm sort of feeling good about it. And then I walk back up into the flat and as I go to turn the light on, like the power meter just tripped and oh. there's no power card. So no good, deed goes, <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished, does it? Yeah. But at the same time, you're just like, okay, well, what is a small inconvenience for me is something mm. that's like, you know, massive to the guy. Yeah. And if the guy wants to spend the £2.50 and get a bottle of LD, or if he wants to, like, you that's know, get a bottle of cross it, then, you know, that's up to him because I'm not there to judge him because I don't know what his story no, is. Uh-huh. And you, you know, just hope that I think that's something we get the right thing. If we're talking to other folk in, in terms of the podcast and stuff, that's definitely one of the kind of things that has changed, like, as much as society's attitudes and opinions are changing towards, you know, people who are dependent eh, on whatever sort of substance or, you know, other thing that they might be abusing. But I think the attitude that is changing within us ourselves, you know, doing this, talking to people for different charities, different backgrounds, different experiences. And I think I can relate to what what you're saying, having been in that sort of similar situation, you know what I mean? Like talking to other folk, having my own story, your own story that we all carry ways, but actually like getting out there and just like sharing it with folk, 
getting yeah. back after them mm-hmm. as well. You know what I mean? I think it's brilliant. I think what you're saying as well is I'm a big believer in just trying to stay grateful about what you you do have, and I think that the the absolute boom in social media has led a lot of people to think I don't have a lot. Yeah. When in fact you've got way more than what you actually realise, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I was terrible for that. I mean, I've got a similar sort of story, like reaching 29, 30-year-old and basically having a sort of quarter-life crisis and going like, what am I doing here? Like, quarter? What? You're going to have to 120? Aye. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> Maybe 25. Let's say 25. But like, getting to that sort of stage and it, it almost seems like that was the sort of thing that people used to talk about when people were getting into their 50s where they would have that midlife crisis and they would go and I had that in my 20s because I just realised like I, I don't know where I'm going and I don't really but also if I look back now it's like you owned a house you had a car you were in a relationship you had a good job still got all these things but I think that a lot of the time we we get to see this highlight reel on the internet yeah. where mm-hmm. all we see is people's holidays. Like, so establishing got, shots. Yeah, yeah, I've got people in the, that I can literally bring to mind where I think that they're just constantly on holiday, but it's not the case. Yeah. They're just not posting Instagram stories on Monday morning I and it's pushing like, in and they're walking to work. Pouring, they're just not Pouring tap water into their cornflakes because they don't have any milk. Exactly. Yeah. Well. And I think that this is like, this is what podcasting and or like new media has given people and a, a reason why a lot of people really like it is it's a platform for you to hear voices similar to yours and going, fuck, like, I that's exactly the same as me. And I, I think a lot of my problems was I felt like nobody really understood me and I felt like I was putting on this sort of charade for people and that I really know truly be myself. And uh-huh. in the last year, being more myself, it's hard. I'm not being like, it's dead easy for you to just go out there and be yourself and no. hope that people accept you. But I, I feel... Like it, it, there's just so many benefits in it, and I so absolutely like what you were saying there is that you didn't have a lot, but you had more than the guy, I and probably a lot of people out there that just don't sort of pipe up and go, I need help, or like I don't have a lot, or like I need help with money, or whatever it is. And I, I used to think that money was like evil, do you know what I mean? Like mm. that money was like the sort of root of evil and it's like, it's subjective. Yeah. And it's man-made. And if you've got a lot of it, fantastic. And if you don't have a lot of it, then so what? Like, Aye. what does that make you any less than anybody else? I genuinely don't think so. No, no. not at all. So, as we're, we're, we're cleaning well over there, which has been, you know, quite enjoyable. Um, but as we're sort of wrapping up, like, what's, what's next? We've got hairdresser, bodyguard, actor, comedian, uh... Podcaster. Podcaster. Sounds like you've done a fair amount of travel. Like, yeah, no, what's next for? Uh, well, I'm actually launching a new business. Okay. Uh, which is uh, specialising in the drone market for uh, high-end real estate okay. in private islands. So I'm specialising in that in the moment. Uh, that sounds like something you would only be able to exclusively pitch to Bond villains. Well, actually, there's <laughs> actually a website and all they do is sell private islands and it's right. a worldwide company. And there is a couple of them that you just go, holy fuck, does that, does that create a slide open? There's a room well, where the guy's and ninjas like in it. Jeffrey Epstein, for fuck's sake. Yeah, no, like b- b- bizarre, uh, bizarre yeah, kind. Private islands, like, I think that people buy, be people buy. We're getting the wrong connotation with his new business here, by the way. Thanks for stepping people, in there. People buying a private island are for the watching, yeah. I think. Like, yeah. uh, you, need to, you need to be like, hmm, what's that guy up to in his private but island? But no, I would like to continue with the podcast uh, but at the moment, I would like to go back into it with 
bit more money able to spend on developing it as a product, like mm-hmm. you know, production wise. And I'd also like to develop more money, like you know, sort of Facebook ads and stuff, because I know where I would like to get it to. And I think in order to do that, it's going to be a substantial amount of investment over a long term of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I went, I went and had a meeting at the BBC because I quite fancied shooting myself into a job at the BBC. Right. And he, yeah, that was like really quite sober. Because <laughs> okay. he was basically like, yeah, you should do, uh, he goes, you should like go and do like a specialist thing. I was just like, well, no, I said like I'm a journalist. Things like you find it really hard to get on as a journalist. So uh, yeah, I would like, I mean, I would, I would love to, I would love to meet another like, 58 people that you know are on the screen because mm-hmm. all these people have been really interested and they've all satisfied the idea of are you doing something different yep have you been through adversity mm-hmm. do you have something to share and i mean it's like you know they're all doing something exceptional yeah. and I would, I would love to like meet these other 58 people and i would love to share their story but i would just love to share it I would imagine like you guys yeah. and, you know in a bigger platform and you know some adverts and put some money in the pocket not that money is everything, but mm. it's just like oh, you need to live. Like, well, you need yeah, yeah you, need, you need to live, but it'd be like really good to you know to grow it and develop it and mm-hmm. and get a studio. It's just that thing of you're still wanting to keep that quality because mm-hmm. there's a couple of podcasts where like I've listened to and you're just like that. Hold on, like how long's the episode? The episode's like twenty minutes. That is, I mean, I'm a purist. I think like in a certain extent, and when I see people, they're like the next episode of the podcast, and it's like thirteen minutes, twenty minutes long. It's like why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, is there enjoyment in it for you? Like, surely you can get more than fucking 20 minutes out of somebody. Mm. We've sat here and had people literally talking earlier on, shitting themselves. You can see the sweat patches coming oh. and we get an hour oh. and 10 minutes out of them because after like the 10, 15 minute mark, they start to yeah, relax. And, yeah. Right, they're, they're getting a bit of a flow going, but I don't see that as like a podcast. Like, although it technically is because te- podcasting is anything, but I, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, it's like... yeah. And I mean, you know, Sally, somebody, yeah, you somebody wants to like, you know, chunk out however many, you know, episodes, whatever, but I would rather like do, and I'm not saying they're all great, or they're all good, a lot of them have got problems, especially the early on ones, but it's like, you know, they're all, you know, they're all interesting. This is the guy that like went to Eton and like studied engineering and then he got in a dot com thing and then he started like tricking out Porsches and now he's got one of the best custom shops in the West Coast of yeah. America for... He's probably only rivaled by one other company in Germany. And it's just like, mm-hmm. you sit down to him and we're talking about like Renault 5 GT turbos and hot hatches for this game to carry on. And he was, you know, he was really good. You know, these guys as well. So yeah, I would love to... Just keep doing the podcast. I would love to keep doing the podcast. drone business. So just before we we, we do, because I'm choking for the toilet, but... I'm what, not going to bomb your street, don't what worry. We, what, <laughs> yeah. Can you, teach me how, can you teach me how to bomb other yes, people's yes. streets? So why <laughs> would somebody in a private estate want a drone is it to like monitor the oh, no, no, no. The game be, or like that'd it... be the case of if you're wanting to sell your your island or whatever right. building it gives you like yeah right so you so can you see like videos and stuff where like, it is videos and, and like obviously if right. it's in the state you want to see where all the houses are in the water mm. do you have rights to fish in the okay. side next I was time? I was thinking more guys that get people come onto their estate to go and game hunt and they would use the drone to like follow it right there's where they are so we can go there and like that type of the thing. applications for it are like mm-hmm. are wild drones are the like the next we're moving into a place as well where thing. scotland and like kind of aerospace and you know sort of drone technology are in probably quite a good position where the whatever spaceport thing coming on you've got to imagine there's going to be a lot of that it's going to so be drone, though, drone like, driven like you, like all three of us could go down to like a you know jessup's or john lewis or whatever and we could all go and buy and register drones right now 
and then you could either go and use it for something really nice and you could like go and take pictures of a pond and do like a lovely mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. thing or you could take it hold and you could do a panorama or whatever or you could use it for like you know really bad things right i mean as, as i'm like a licensed pilot and I've got to go through all these things, insurance, and right. uh-huh. fucking got so much paperwork to do. It's not funny. Like shoot me now, but yeah, it's just mad. And that's without can... missiles attached to it. That's without missiles. That's without missiles. Imagine mm-hmm. the paperwork with. But it's just it's just mad that you can go and do it now. But I mean, yeah, totally live in the future. But I mean, you look at countries like Singapore. Like Singapore is like so advanced in the drone market right now. Right. Like, the stuff they're doing with drones is just like off the charts. They've got like special pads. So like, say, say you and I live like in a building or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like we wouldn't get the guy in the scooter or the guy in the van or whatever to go and take the parcel from there yeah, to there. Yeah, it's like drone deliveries. It's drone delivery mm. to the roof, but then it will put it into like 16B and then you'll just get a text saying that's your parcel arrived and then you basically walk up to the helipad, go into the wee thing, open up 16B and there's like wow. your, your packet of jammy dodgers. Uh-huh. Right, it's, it's crazy. Uh, Amazon are doing a lot of stuff with drones and trying to get drone drops and stuff like that. Like right. I think. So the, the fu- do you think the future will be just as wandering about with just drones going about above I think it could or? be, but I love that thing like Amazon go, oh, we're going to do this thing, and you're like, I don't know if it's just how I was how I was brought up. Sorry, family. But there's a part of me that thinks, okay, well, if you're sending out a drone that costs between five and ten grand to deliver a packet of Jamie Dodgers, What's to stop theoretically you being like in a building higher than that and then throwing over like an old net and then crashing the drone and then you've now got like a ten grand drone that you just re-register, re-chip, mm-hmm. putting your propellers on and then you're like, well, hey, yeah, and a free packet of Jamie Dodgers. A free packet of Jamie Dodgers. Yeah. I, I listened to something where they were talking about like how to bring down a drone and they were saying that it's just, you don't shoot it down, you hack it. Right. The only way really to bring down a drone is to hack the fucking thing and land it because shooting it down is pointless yeah you can either shoot it with like a projectile which is really, really hard because mm-hmm. obviously you can't shoot it there. you've got like to shoot it but it's going to be yeah, yeah. A, but you can use like a like a sonic boom or you can use like an EMP, EMP. Mm-hmm. yeah so if you were like say to go like say like the G8 summer or whatever obviously like be a ring of steel yep but then on top of that there'll be like sharpshooters on the roof and mm-hmm. they're looking like going to take out a ground threat yep but then now they have guys and they'll basically like have like a, a ring or a geofence Around the building, so that they basically can't get up there. Can he? Can he bring a drone in? Can't bring a drone in there. Super interesting. Aye, that's definitely one I think I'm going to be reading up in the future. Aye, because that's piqued my interest. Some drones. Aye, amazing conversation. Like you've got a, you've definitely got a a media personality. Thank you. No, just that. Like, Money talks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you're like, you seem like a, like a really, really nice guy. It's been a cracking conversation. Ah, I so really enjoyed having you on. Well, thank you for well. having me on. This is the the second podcast that I've been on, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I feel very, very proud to have been invited onto your guys' podcast because it's one that I listen to. I think yeah. your your guests oh, and your style oh, it's, thanks, it's really good, and it's nice that it's something that is uniquely you know Glaswegian, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's what we yeah, tried. We tried that as the start. Like Matt came up with the name. Rebel City, and we were, we were sort of like we need to distance ourselves from the rebel, like the Celtic sort of Irish rebel. Um, but it was about Glasgow being like a rebel city. We always sort of go against the grain, and yeah, sort of the Glasgow connotations and stuff. Mm-hmm. But again, man, thanks very much. Aye, for and on the man. upside of that, anybody listening to this, I, I, you always had a really a great episode recently. I'm going to make a messy surname. Uh, Gary Mikkel. Gary Mikkel, yeah. Mikkel. Like, I watched that in recent weeks, and again, that was a cracking conversation where he's bounced off each other amazing he, he so was alright I mean that was amazing if you're going to start <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to start anywhere with Stephen this is the one 
Yeah. Other than that, cheers, hey, man. No, thanks thank you very, very much. much. Thank you very much.